0: Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit PerfectOrganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. Think we ought to discuss the bonus situation, right? Brett and right. I. We think we ought to. We deserve full shares, right? right you see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is. Really
1: move! Get out of there! Get
0: Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by... Patrick Green, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Enjoying the Saturday. Just got back from the beach. Got a little bit of fresh air. I'm feeling pretty good. Nice. Well, today we have a special guest. Um, if anyone is aware of the comic that's just released by Dark Horse, Alien, the original screenplay. Uh, today we have the writer of the screenplay, Cristiano Saishas right?
2: You got it right.
0: Okay. (laughs) And you are here to discuss this really awesome comic that there's one issue released so far. I've read it. Patrick's read it. We had to talk about like covering this issue. And so we reached out to you and decided to have you on to talk about it a little bit more. But before we get into that, Patrick, I'm gonna hand it off to you.
1: Yeah. So but I, again, congratulations. This is something that we have been waiting for for what feels like a really long time because I remember this announcement back over in like the winter and thinking this was going to come out for alien day and then COVID became such a huge thing and they were kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, I couldn't believe when my dark horse notification for the pre-order came up like two weeks ago. It was finally here, and I read it, and I was so excited, and I'm still so excited to see where you take this thing. So congratulations to you and and Guillerme and everybody else involved in this. This has been a long road during a difficult time, and we wanted to get a little bit of um, background on you first, because uh, I don't think I've read your other work before. So how did you get into comics? What is this medium to you, and what's your career look like?
2: Uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to this because we are doing a lot of Brazilian press, believe it or not, you know, we'll be doing local stuff and it's, it's so nice to, to explain better how the, how the process works, you know, it's been a, a whole year to, to have this, actually a, b- a little bit more than a year producing this so it's it's nice to talk about it you know because you i couldn't talk about it now i can and you know you feel like i should talk everything i can about it and i started working working professionally in comics uh how do you say that i work in advertising first i always wanted to to work with comics i love comics since i was a kid i have an older neighbor and he used to read a lot of European comics like Tantan and Asterix and a lot of European stuff. And I first heard about Metal Orlan, you know, the heavy metal mag- magazine when I was really young. And I think that this messed my mind a little bit because I, I, I got access to a lot of hardcore sci-fi stuff when I was a kid. And, and I think that this helped me love Alien that much. And, and in Brazil, I work with Advertise for a little bit, and then I work uh, with animation. I still work with some animation stuff, some local animation stuff. But I always wanted to do comics. I did some, you know, sketchy comics when I was a teenager. I did a, a fanzine, a rock fanzine, and then a comic fanzine, and I started playing in local bands, And but I still wanted to do comics. And later on, uh, I... Started a small comic book studio with a couple of friends, and that picked up in about nine nine seven nine eight, and we started doing some local comic books and. In Portuguese. I did, yeah, mostly Portuguese stuff. And then I met a uh, an agent that he was an agent for a lot of uh, comic book artists for U.S. And I worked with him for about six to eight years and. And uh, my friends start getting better and I was start doing more like art direction and reviewing scripts and reviewing if the guys were doing the right things to, to, to draw for the script. And that when I got more into the, the story side, the creative side and actually drawing, I I don't draw that much anymore, just layouts and stuff. But then uh, some guys really start to grow up in the and the American, North American comic books like Marvel and DC. And, uh, they are still my friends. I, I stopped doing the Asian stuff, but the guys keep going, of course. And, and Guilherme Bob is one of them, but you know, uh, I, I'm a really close friend with Eduardo Pancica that draws, he, he, he do a lot of penciling for, for DC, uh, Batgirl and, uh, well, Nightwing. He did a, a, a long run in Nightwing, Wonder Woman, and and also Abe Ferreira It's a great inker. He just won the Inkwell Awards right now, and yeah, he's a really nice guy as well. And it's a big deal award. Yeah, Iggy, Iggy Guara, He 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 did roles with. Uh, I forgot the name of the writer. She's really good, uh, comic book writer. And, uh, you know, I, I I was an age for a dozen of these guys and I learned a lot. I, you know, I did some crappy stuff. I did some really good stuff. Uh, do you remember when they have the reality show? Uh, Who wants to be a superhero by Stanley Stanley?
1: Oh, yeah, I love that show. Yeah,
2: we did most of the covers,
1: you know, oh, did you really?
2: way back then. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, and we did some uh, uh, avatar, you know, the the, the animation avatar, uh, cards, did a series of cards. And and I keep going like that, you know, all over the place with animation and and, and comics at the same time. And then I decided to go back to writing my own comics, and I did a comic called uh, The Fahrenheit Guys. It's like 18, uh, a re- really messy 18 thing. I did that for a couple of years. And then I did some short comics for sci-fi with a friend of mine, you know, we did a lot of short stories. And then I, I decided to do a, a project with Eduardo Pansica. You, you can guys you guys can check it out, his work later on. And it's a very Brazilian story. Uh, I, we want a post-apocalyptic uh, middle of the country kind of thing. And it's funny because when, you are in a, in a desert area, in a desert area that is it's really, really poor, you don't feel like it's post-apocalyptic because it is what it is. It doesn't change that much. <laughs> you know, it's really sad to say that. And, and we don't wanna do superheroes on our own project. Like we are doing superheroes for so long and we wanna do stuff that it's quite the opposite you know, so it's a, it's a black young girl that she's running from something and she doesn't have nothing. She just have a little desert wizard, lizard to, as a pet. And that's how the story begins. And we did a kind of Brazilian Kickstarter for the second issue and was really successful. And then we went to the Brazilian comic cons. It's, it's, it's in São Paulo. The, the it's it, it already beat New York and stuff. It's huge, and the release was really good. And we won a local award to adapt the comic book to a mobile game. And there were two first places, and we were one of them. And and when we 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 are still producing the mobile game, but then Guilherme Bobby was doing a. Uh, another franchise. He was working for Dark Horse in another project and he, he couldn't say which one was it like. I'm working with this for a year right now but the pro- project now is on hold. You know, they froze the project, they don't know when we will get back to it. And then his agent uh, told him, hey guy, we have a chance to do Alien, the, the original oh. script uh, do you want to try to be the artist for this one and I said of course I want to be the artist and they just told like hey wanna uh, wanna give it a shot for a comic book writer that you you, you work with that you like and we, we know each other for like 15 years and we'd work with some advertising projects and some local comics and and he said hey send your stuff to Randy you know Randy Stradley that he's, he's he's an amazing publisher And, uh, I sent my stuff and he sent the original script and he told me, like, rewrite this thing, you know, like, adapt to this thing for the comic book. whole thing, I did the whole thing, you know, I did the five issues, and actually it ended up with 140 pages, actually, it was like a couple, a couple, 40 pages more, longer than it should, and he told me, man, it's a 100, a 100, it's a 100, and you can't cut stuff out, oh. like, I need, I need to, uh, made it contemporary, made feeling, you, you know, you, you need to feel that it's a movie that you're producing right now for Netflix, you know, not something from 76 when Daniel Bannon wrote it. And at the same time, I, I couldn't make it longer. I couldn't cut the main scenes, of course. And that was the challenge. So actually he taught me a lot because I thought I wouldn't get the job. He was fixing so much stuff, I told hey man, <laughs> Uh, maybe I won't be the writer for this. But then he sent the first issue to Fox. Uh, I think Fox sent to Disney already at the time. And, mm-hmm. and they approve it. And then I got the green lead to do the other four.
1: Wow, that is an amazing journey to that point. That is, that is <laughs> yeah. incredible. Can you go back for a moment? There was a, the, the, the sure. comic that you mentioned starring the young girl in the desert with the lizard. That's a mobile game. What is it called again? Uh, it's Calango. Uh, I'll, I, I can send, send the material to, us and we'll put it to it in the, the show notes. That yeah. sounds really fascinating. Yeah, man.
2: it's 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 the, the the name of the typical Brazilian desert lizard. Okay, cool. So, when, but when you are hungry, like people in the desert, they they eat they eat it, you know. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is to have this girl that she's hungry, she has to survive, but she will never kill her lizard, you know. And
1: wow, that's cool. That,
2: yeah, that keeps developing and and we we st- we I have to stop the comic book to work with Alien and Eduardo have to stop the cause now he has two kids and it's work with DC titles. And right. so it's on hold until next year I think. Oh definitely check it out.
0: So nice. in terms of in terms of how you approach the comic, you know, as I read the first issue Obviously, the the aesthetics is, v- is very different than the film because, of course, it's going to be. It's a, a variation on what, you know, originally, you know, Ridley Scott would would eventually release. How do you... there's some things that I picked up on in terms of uh, how the style, the aesthetics of it, like the ship a little bit reminded me of the Prometheus, especially the landing, um, and there was, there was a little nod to the cryos, the cryo tubes from aliens and I'm just curious how you guys arrived to that place to like okay let's tie it in a little bit like what, what what, was the discussion in terms of style like I would imagine that had to be challenging for you guys to come up with a style that felt authentic yet not anything that we've seen before
2: yeah I think that's the hardest question the hardest thing to do because uh, me and Bob we live in the same city so we were able to we, we work in a comic book school and a local comic book school and we have meetings there and we have lunch together and sketch stuff together because uh, most of the, the time that we were together was talking about this, uh, not the script itself because uh, Bobby was really uh, really trusts me with the, 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 the script itself and I really trust him with his amazing work. I know his art is really good. but. The thing it's fine tuning, like uh, we, they, they sent us the, the, the whole movie, the, the movies, and we watch all, all of them again, and, and some of them, it's, they are really bad. And the first ones are really good, and, and Prometheus has really good ideas in, in it. But uh, we, we didn't want to have the feeling of Prometheus. And, and at the same time, you have a bit of a vintage flavor. That's what you're talking about. Uh, that's the hard fi- fine-tuning to do because uh, I wanted something that looks like an anime from 2022. You know, a sci-fi anime that you, c- you could watch in two or five, two or four years from now. And I was shouting for this, or, or uh, a sci-fi that have a lot of reference, not you know, uh, U.S. sci-fi or European sci-fi. Something that can can be a mix match of a lot of different stuff. And I love European sci-fi, so old European sci-fi, but we couldn't have the this old flavor all the time. This wouldn't work. And it, we couldn't have like a way modern sci-fi because then it's it's totally not alien. Alien have a bit of a vintage feeling attached to it that you can't get everything out because then it's then it's another franchise all entirely you know what i mean so uh bobby uh sketch some stuff most of stuff that he did was approved right off the bat because uh when you have a lot of discussions up front and and when you're a fan of the franchise and you don't want to mess it up it's easier to get their approval down the road. You won't go too far. You know what I mean? You'll try to make it new, like uh, we did a little, mostly of new stuff with the the designs of the clothing and armor. We this this is was easier to do because we couldn't have, you know, the the first alien. I love mobiles. I think John hard Mobiles it's it's the, the it's my, my master artist, you, when, when I finished. You were saying
0: uh, you, you were into heavy
1: metal as a child. I'm not surprised. Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and that stuck. I have all his stuff. And we couldn't have, you know, the old scuba diving, fluffy clothing walk on the alien planet. We didn't want that. It's, it's visually amazing, but we want a practical stuff. You know, even for scuba diving, we, we look at more for nowadays scuba diving stuff, more, you know, skin tight and some pieces that's really helpful and useful instead of just placing a lot of clunky stuff that we, they wouldn't use for anything. So the design of the uniforms and stuff, uh, the costumes uh, was the easiest part because we knew what we want and it wasn't that hard for approval. The ships themselves—that was the one that uh, we decided to go a little bit, a little bit more vintage, as you guys are saying. Like we, we, we got pieces, bit, here and there for different movies, and, and then uh, Bobby came with the, the design that they have for not not just Snark, but also the the landing ship as well. You have this old feeling for for the ship. But the inside start? the ship, we try to do the, the balance between both. Actually, inside the, the ship is the place that we try to do holograms, but you have old, old buttons to push at the same time. You know I mean?
1: Well, I was just going to say, to me, the perfect example of how you guys reconcile that, like the old and the traditional with the new stuff, is the very first page, right, which opens with the iconic way that the film opens, right, of the panel coming to life, of the clicking and clicking. Lacking of the whirring of the machine waking up because they're being woken from sleep, right and then you know it's it's in the cinema we've seen that same shot so many hundreds and thousands of times of you know with the helmet with the reflection with the blah 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 you know it's so iconic but I love how even though we can tell when we're reading the comic that the script starts very similar to the, how the film starts um, just because of the sounds that the machines are making and kind of the the you know, way that it progresses, visually, right from the very beginning, it looks different and it feels very fresh. And a lot of that, I think, has to do not only with the way that you've written it and with the way that, that Guillermo has illustrated, but with Candace Hahn's colors too, which are very bright and very vivid. And so even this very beginning, which to me, like if, as somebody who knows the original script pretty well and somebody who's seen the movie hundreds of times, to see that first page, I immediately knew that we were in good hands because it felt like something that I could put in the context of the film but something that was new and and you guys were doing new things with it. And I think as the issue progresses, we see that, you know, more and more, we see that the characters look um, distinct, but they look, you know, different. They look new. Um, You know, it doesn't feel distracting to me that they don't have the same names. It doesn't feel distracting to me that things are different. It feels like I'm seeing just this very familiar story through a new prism of creativity. And so what I want to ask you about is, we, we, we spoke with Johnny Christmas quite a bit, you know, who did the adaptation for the Gibson script for Alien 3 for Dark Horse before you guys did this, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about how it was, you know, kind of daunting in the beginning, adapting this, you know, unfilmed script, how it, it was very different from a normal creative project in terms of the decisions you have to make. Um, and something he mentioned that I thought was really, uh, it stuck with me, was, you know, you have to condense this whole entire thing down into just a few issues, like you were saying, five issues, right? And um, a movie, right, takes a lot longer than that, the script is a lot longer than that. But what I love about this first issue is the way you've paced it feels exactly right. I feel like it is, it moves along, it doesn't waste time, but it doesn't feel like you're in a hurry. So this is a very long way of saying, when you are adapting a screenplay like this, what do you think is the most important thing to capture? And how can you avoid running into the pitfall of having to race through too many things?
2: Okay, uh, before I answer to that, because of course a long answer, uh, I don't want to forget to tell about the first page. It's so nice that you said it because the first panel was something that was really pushy to to, to the publisher to to Bobby to have the, I got the original drawing for Dana Bannon for, you know, the map, the galaxy map, where they were and stuff. Yeah, and the star like, map, you the you constellation. Ga- you gotta put that on the first
1: panel. <laughs> it is the first oh. panel, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> like, like uh, I wanted to respect what he developed and he created. So, right off the bat, I want you guys to show, hey, it's his map. We just updated his map, and then we, we, we went on. But, you know, it's a it's, it's, uh, uh, win and lose, of course, and. I have to make some choices and and i couldn't get more pages of course and at the same time uh i wanted to have some stuff that i really wanted and what did i cut the the long waiting mood you know when the first move movie you have these long scenes, these long shots to, 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 you know, to raise the vibe for, you know, the dark mood that something will happen. I couldn't do that in comics, otherwise it would be a 200-page manga thing, you know. Uh, and that I say hey, uh, uh, we discussed this, me and Bob, that the, 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 the visuals, the, the drawing and the inking must be very, very dark because we won't be able to do that with the pacing. The pacing won't, won't be the place to do it. We won't have room to do that. So let, let's focus on, on having that in the artwork itself so I can focus on the dialogue because uh, I try to have the dialogue, most of the dialogue I, I change and edit some, some stuff. And I know it would be a, a very much dialogue driven, so, and it's not easy to do a, a sci-fi movie that you need to have some action. and have to have it dialogue driven most of the time. I think that was the most challenge for me. Like the guys are talking all the time, but they need to do, be doing other stuff at the same time as well. So, so and, and the same time I couldn't cut a dialogue for another reason, uh, first time readers. Like, I know me and you guys, if I cut half of the dialogue, I would still get the same sense for the story, you know, but if you have like a 14 years old, a 13 years old, they get the book, you know, they won't understand what what the hell is going on if I can't put the dialogue in. uh, what do you say? That's the thing. That's, that was the hardest part for me. I, I, I didn't want to place, you know, word balloons all over the place. And, and, and I, I can't, couldn't cut it out. So I, I tried to balance the image and, and the dialogue in a way that the story keeps flowing and, and happening as it should. Actually, uh, I, I should note Randy, the editor, for that because the first the first reviews of the script, he taught me a lot. Hey, why we, we 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 put this dialogue together? Why don't you change this dialogue for the characters? So and then, hey, and two issues later, okay, I got it. And, and and the final, 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 they also have the the the, the review of the, the of Fox and Dark Horse and they, and they did some minor fine tuning that it worked really good.
0: One thing, I, I, I'm not a huge comic book reader. I don't, you know, Patrick knows this. I don't read a lot. But when I was reading this first issue, I felt like, yes, obviously it was a story that I knew, but I didn't feel like, it felt new. It felt like I was exploring something new. When you went into the space jockey chamber, it felt new. It felt like, what is this thing? Even though I'm familiar with this trope, you could say, or this this point in the story, the design of the creature, everything, it just was like, whoa, I don't, like right now, after reading issue one, I was like, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like, I really feel like what's going to happen next because um, it's a bit of a different story, even though there's some similarities there. And I think Roby is the Ripley character, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, so I'm picking up on a few things, but it doesn't feel like, you're retreading. It feels fresh. And I don't know in terms of comics, because there have been comics that have done this before where they're retelling a story that maybe was a movie. I feel like that was probably difficult to tell a similar story that's engaging for the audience where they're like, you know, okay, whatever. And I remember when, uh, years ago when I was a teenager and I bought the, the, um, the comics for Alien 3 before I was able to see the movie. And it was essentially beat by beat the same thing that you see in a movie. A few variations here or there. Um, so I just felt like I was watching the movie as I was reading the comic because I couldn't see the movie at the time. But again, I just wanted to reiterate that how fresh the story feels and how um, I'm reading it along like I've never... Like, I I don't know what's going to happen. And I I authentically almost don't know what's going to happen. So I think it's a testament to all the work and the care and the love that you guys have put into this.
2: Thanks a lot. And I have, like, three different things to to comment about that. Uh, The first thing, like, as a, a comic book reader, I love comics. And... Usually, I hate comic book movies adaptation. You know, I got there and I like say, man, you know, they cram everything in, and, and there's no written. They just trying to put the main pieces there, and, and, you know, and press it up. And I, most of the time, I don't like it. When and when he invited me, I. I I was honored and at the same time, like I don't want to do what I usually see with, with that. I don't want to do that at, at all. Uh, and that, that was a challenge, but uh, I saw some manga stuff that make good adaptation. Like the first Star Wars, they've had a manga version. That's really good. It's really good. It's really well done. And I try. hey, there's, I, I saw so that I knew that uh, there is a way and you know the alien tree, of course, more recently uh, is really good as well and that's that 's one thing. The other thing that you said it's it 's when we get to the engineer you know the this the, the space jockey, and uh, we decided that was a really important moment for me and Bobby because uh, then we knew the direction we want to take uh, and the direction like uh, we will use two things together that didn't have the original designs because we, we don't want, you know, the Giger, HR, Geiger stuff and modules stuff is so strong, so strong, like we, we can't even look at it, you know, otherwise we will fail because they are the masters of this. And uh, so we did it. We, we, of course, we watched the whole movie, but when I start design, uh, we have the idea of, of the fractals, you know, the look of the, the, the images that they look like almost as almost hypnotic. You know, you have this this these shapes that they they work very well together and keep changing. So we have this kind of idea in mind. At the same time, we have the we, we have the idea of using uh, uh, deep uh, or deep sea uh, uh, as absals I forgot how to say that in English you know. Yeah, the, this? And the, the abyss, yes. Mm-hmm. So we started using those kinds of fish, you know, that they have, they have their, their self-lighting and stuff. They are really scary stuff.
1: Bioluminescent,
2: right? Like an yes. angler fish. Yeah, or that, fish. Yeah, yeah, actually, right. actually, that's the word I was looking for. Because when yeah. you see, so when you, uh, when you guys watch again this panel with, with, the, with the space jockey, you will notice a lot of that in the construction, the construction of his ship. So we tried to do that as a fractal background with this, all this lighting going on. So that, that, then, then we knew, then we knew. And also a lot of sharpie pointy stuff that we knew would get some shapes that would be aggressive and interesting at the same time. And, and then, then I led it to Bobby and he, I, thought, I think he did a, a good job on that. And the last thing is the characters, you know, I think this this is the last part of the answer that I thought. Because uh, the best thing about Dan O'Bannon script on that side is that they don't have gender, you know, race or anything. It's just a lie, you know. And then we could could present whole new characters because of that. And we did. and the editor didn't change much. We we present some ideas that hey maybe not that much, and he fine-tuned it a little bit. A bit but uh, that was a key opportunity for us to make it fresh. These six new guys, and keep the cat, of course. We, we <laughs> with with
1: very recognizable Jones in there too. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm glad that you talked about the engineer because that, that was that was my next question. Because to me. From the very first time I saw Balbi's cover art when it was released with the announcements, whenever how long ago that was, I was like really intrigued by the design that you guys came up with. I th- I, and I still to this day, also Walter Simonson's variant cover. How cool is that? I mean, that's amazing. Oh man, yeah, the fact that they, oh. like the legend Walter Simonson did a variant, um, and his is a beautiful take on it too. But I love how I feel like your design for that creature, the one that you and Gary came up with is is really truly iconic. And, and to me is something that I would love, anybody listening to this who's an artist, like make fan art for that and tag us in it. Because I think that is a really iconic design and it is very frightening and very different. Just like Jamie was saying, I was thrown off when we, when we finally see the reveal because I was like, man, this is new to me. This is stuff that I am not. And even the first time you see the derelict, right? which as anybody who listens to the show knows my favorite moment in all of the alien saga is the derelict sequence in the first movie. And I love how different this feels. I love how, when you see it, when they're approaching it, you know, it looks geometrically very different, right? It's got these, it's very, the color palette is even different. You kind of go with these Amber hues and these Browns and these sharp spikes, and these really interesting design choices that, um, I'm I'm glad that you got a chance to talk about it. And I just sort of wanted to to thank you for giving us more iconography to be inspired by.
2: Oh yeah. I actually next time we, we should bring Balbi here so he can tell more about the artwork itself. That would be yeah, great.
0: When yeah, when it's finished we should have you both on and discuss it all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's- one thing I one uh, thing I picked up on when you when they're entering into the derelict, it reminded me of the old fifty sci-fi Forbidden Planet. And I know Alien pulls from that anyways, but this reminded me of it in a different way. And it's hard for me to quantify what I mean. It just felt like, it felt like where am I in a different way than Alien feels like where am I? Where Alien's like, it's dark and it's, it's closing in on you. Where this is the opposite, where it's sprawling and it's huge. And I was, it just had this sense of wonder. And for me, in a comic, that's hard to do just because I'm, I'm a film guy. That's what I love. So to feel that way when I'm reading, and I read it pretty quickly, to be honest with you, because I was like, okay, I got to read this. I want to get through it. Not that I wasn't interested, but for me to pick that up in a, in frames of a comic, I thought was really a success because I'm hard to nut to crack.
2: It, it's it's so funny that you said something about you know the 50s kind of sci-fi vibe because I didn't think about it. I don't know if Bob think about it, but thought about it, but... Uh, I will do a podcast uh, next Wednesday in Brazil and the girl, she, she, she read my whole resume, you know, like she read the whole thing and I work in a burger joint for like a couple years. I went out the comic book studio and I have the night shift and a small burger place that we had and the name that she gave for the podcast was aliens burgers and comics and that's so, 50, <laughs> that you know, it's it's so 50s right like, like, yeah and I, and I would never make the connection but she did you know
1: that's funny yeah the, 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 the tone even just the tone when they touch down reminded me specifically of forbidden planet 2 yes. when they're around the table and they're having a discussion which of course happens in the film but it happens very differently in the film even just the way that you framed it i feel to me feels more like sci-fi that predates alien a little bit which makes sense because that's the science fiction dan o'bannon was watching when he was writing this first script right and then it got changed quite a bit as more and more input was put into it but what i love about this version is it really is a window into a more kind of purely distilled dan o'bannon idea of the script and longtime listeners of the show know diane o'bannon his his amazing wife is a very good friend of ours she's been on she's somebody we respect a lot and she's somebody with a lot of great ideas of her own um, who has given us a lot of insights into Dan and who he was and what, what he was like when he was writing this and things that he was into. Um, and I'm wondering, like, were you, uh, like, did you talk with her at all during this? Did you consult any of his original sketches? I, I feel like Dan O'Bannon is very present in this. Maybe it's just the script, but was he a part of this in any way?
2: No, uh, unfortunately. We didn't have contact to, to anyone because I think the publisher wanted something fresh and he didn't want us, you know, to, to get back to it the whole time. And but what I got to say about this, I, I respect this stuff so much because the comic book that uh, was the sparkle for my, my whole personal project for sci-fi and stuff was The Long Tomorrow. About uh, that was written that is written by him. And uh, Mobius drew, drew amazingly, and *Blade Runner* and everything else came from it. So, uh, so *The Long Tomorrow* it's it's you know it's in my heart. It's it's a soul reference for everything I do, and that's why that's the first time I heard his name. You know, the first time I heard his name was with, with this really short comic book that you know. Uh, blew my mind when I was really young and when I got to, the, to get when they sent me the script and they sent me the original script and I, besides that I went online and I searched everything that I could about his his ideas for the first script his sketches and stuff and I tried to be as faithful as faithful as I could without without looking old. I, I just didn't want to have the '70s vibe. I, uh, although I like it, that's not what the project wanted. You know, we, we couldn't have that. You know, the idea that the the thing that he was depressed at the time, and you know, he left the Dune project with Jodorowsky. And, you know, all that that story, that you know, he. The alien script helped him out of the depression, you know stuff that he hear about it, and this is wonderful. But I couldn't have the vibe of that time for something that we should be releasing right now. If if it, this is a movie, you know, you know what I mean. So uh, then again, uh, Bobby would be the guy to help me make this work. And one of the things he did that, uh, that the, to wrap up the, the answers. One of the things that we try to do, we, we put a lot of characters in the page the whole time. And that for a comic book artist, it's a nightmare. It's because he's a close friend and he can't kill me because he's my friend, but uh, they hate it. You know, like when you have uh, five, seven guys in a panel the whole time, or three guys in a panel the whole time, and and they don't want the, the panel to look, you know, uh, cramming a lot of stuff in and have a lot of dialogue at the same panel and but I wanted to have it and if you see the first issue they you have a lot of guys talk at the same time because we all know we all know it will be we will have less and less people as the issues goes along you know so I wanted the first couple issues to have the guys uh, on the panel most of the time. And I think this, this helps to have this Dan original feeling to it.
0: So I have a technical question for you in terms of the acquisition of Fox by Disney. And you mentioned before submitting it to Fox and then who submitted it to Disney. How was this working during the I would imagine this happened after the acquisition, like the final because you said you worked on it for about a year. How did this all work? Was this was this something that was produced the idea was put out there before disney was involved or and now i know the ip is moving to marvel how was all that working
2: it's funny because when when, when i got the assignment uh, i wasn't worried about that because I, was, I what i was reading at that time that this this was in the works you know in the talks you know not a not a finished transition yet and I got an assignment, I was so happy about it that I, I, I couldn't care less if, if it was Fox or did or whatever. But as I went along, uh, then we have to got Fox approval and then someone in Disney had to approve as well. And then the approvals got longer, you know, for us to get the feedback and the final green light for each issue. But not to a point that, you know, uh, disturb the work you know or really uh, didn't help us because bobby is is really fast for a guy that does so many details in a page so uh, we still have a, a really cool deadline to work with so we wouldn't have any any issue but we start to the, the talk about the project between something between may and june last year and we wrap. The script on December, so it's it's for a comic book. It's a long time, you know, for the comic book field. Usually, is is way faster than that. And December we have the approval on the final issue, and I think January, February, Bobby uh, he drew the final issue, and Candice. He finished the colors, I think, right now <laughs> for the issue number five. So uh, we the, the project was stretched a little bit, and some of it, it's because of the Fox Disney move. But uh, that didn't really alter much stuff for us, actually, at the end.
1: It is a time of so much uncertainty in so many ways. And I got to say, part of why I was so happy when I finally got that pre-order notification was that this, this to me was something that, this was some, one of those things that I was kind of waiting for this whole time. And it was so cool to finally see it. Um, so thank you for bringing a lot of happiness to a lot of fans out there who have been waiting for this thing. And, um, you know, with all these transitions going on and everything, it's nice to see just this great Dark Horse product made by these, you know, awesome independent contributing artists and writers. And, you know, it's just, it's really, really great. Um, before we wrap, <clears throat> um, so I, as as listeners know, I am a very big comic book person. This, it's like, i been a part of my life since my childhood. And, you know, I probably go through about 10 to 12 issues per week, very into comic books. Um, and I always like talking to other big comic book people about what they're reading or what they're into. And and I it would be really, I think, cool to hear, you know, if you could give our listeners, what are some of the best books out there right now? Who are some of the, you know, creators that you're following that you would recommend our listeners check out?
0: And also, what's your favorite alien film? Throw that in there too.
1: <laughs> actually I'm gonna answer
2: this one first because this is easy for me it's the first one it's, it's totally the first one although I think the third movie it's more criticized than it should it, it's, it's it's better than most people think Amen. and I know that yeah I, I know the second one it's Bobby's uh, favorite one but I still, I still will get uh, I have Alien and Blade Runner, you know, I have the two, like, here. And we could, we, we could talk about Tyrell Corporation and Waylaid Corporation, you know, for hours.
1: Oh, man. So, do, do, you know, do you know that we have a Blade Runner podcast? No, I didn't. That's our other show. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's the only Blade Runner podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have the Blade Runner podcast. So oh, maybe yeah, we'll I, wa- I was watching the,
2: the Blade Runner comic book panel for San Diego the, the other day. Yeah, and, and my wife, she has a, a small uh, shooting studio for, for local stuff, and she's doing online classes, and sh- she's she's using Blade Runner twenty forty nine for for lighting and photography, and and we are talking about it the whole time. And she's not a sci fi buff at all, but really, you know, technically, she, she's so delighted about the, the, the twenty forty nine.
1: You should oh, get this. Man. This is the art book that just came out two days ago. Blade Runner 2049. Oh, Air it's really, really good. We will definitely talk more about Blade Runner offline because that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, in terms of comics.
2: Uh, the thing about comics that I want to say about lately, it's because I'm reading a lot of Brazilian comics that is not in English yet. Mm. I take a route, you know, last year, like, in hey, man, I... I criticize that some people are not reading my comics, but you know, I had a small run, I can't complain. But I should read Brazilian comics as well. So that's what I've been doing most of the time most of the time from last year to now. I'm I'm going to Brazilian Kickstarter and I support a local a lot of stuff that I know what I heard that is good. And I'm I'm buying it. So I'm buying like uh 10 to 20 brazilian local comics this month and and some of them are okay but some of them are really really good and most of people never heard of and so that's it's it's hard for me to say and and actually i've been reading you know american comics for so long that i'm trying to read to get back to some more european comics Mm -hmm. i'm reading now peter pan it's not a new comics for loser for a French uh, author. Uh, that's really good. I'm, I'm finally rereading Enki Bilal, that, that he's from the same time as uh, these European guys, but I never read the whole story. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this Bilal stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% sure that you guys are gonna like him because he has this uh, really dark, sci-fi mood from the eighties, <laughs> you know, that uh, the visually is really, really strong. So I think guy, I think he's from Yugoslavia or stuff like that. Uh, so I read more European stuff. And I'm rereading some, some stuff from US that I, that I like, like uh, V for Vendetta because I was taking a look at it because the, the art of the comic book is really dark. It's yeah. way darker than the, the movie, and I was going through it again. And I didn't watch, uh, I, I was swept with, with work and prize and I didn't watch the Watchmen for HBO yet. Mm. So I'm reading the Watchmen again because I, I, you know, more than, what, 20 years that I didn't read it. So I'm reading it again before I watch the show. So that's what I'm
1: reading right now. That's terrific. Thank you, my friend.
2: Just one thing about Blade Runner. We should talk about it because uh, I forgot the name of the actor that did the Dr. Terrell, I met him at San Diego Comic-Con he was amazing. And I have, he signed some stuff for me. I had the original script, you know, the, the, the similar original script from from one of the producers. I, I really wow. love
0: this, man.
1: Really?
2: So we, wow. wow. I, I, lo- I love Wait. to death. I, I know some of the lines by heart
1: and stuff. That's amazing. What's the name man. of the
0: actor who played um, Tyrell? Uh Turco Joseph Turkle. Just, yeah, oh, Joe Turkle. Okay. yeah Joe Turco okay yeah
1: yeah not yeah, studs Turco he's, an, he's another guy but yeah no, <laughs> Joe Turco uh, also famously in The Shining at a very pivotal moment yes um, yes uh, the, the yes. Yes. yes yes yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's again, awesome.
1: Thank you
2: very much for inviting me to this.
1: I have
0: Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we, it was important for us to cover this just because it's something special that isn't, you know, going to come along probably again. So uh, we'll circle back around with you and hopefully um, others uh, when this comic comes out. Like I want to buy the full thing that's going to release in December. So I'm excited about that. So thank you again.
1: And it's monthly from now until the winter time. And then in December, we get the collected edition, right?
0: Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: So yeah, so everybody who put this on your pull list at the comic store, you can get it on Dark Horse. You can get it various ways, Um, just because of publishing publishing disruptions due to COVID. It can be a little bit hard to track some of these things down, but if you do it through Dark Horse, you'll be all set. Um, And it's available digitally as well. So if you want to buy it digitally until the collected edition comes out, which is probably what I'm going to end up doing, um, you can do that as well. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks again. Us. Thank nice. you, Cristiano. Nice. Nice. Thank Have you good night. so much. Appreciate it. You too. Have Bye. Have a time. Bye.
0: For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit PerfectOrganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.